Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by John Terry. John is a two-time martial arts Hall of Fame inductee who is passionate about teaching people to become black belt leaders in life and in business. We're going to dive in in just a minute. John's the author of four books and his latest black belt leadership 101 debuted as a number one new release on Amazon in late March, 2020 and remained on the Amazon bestsellers list for over two months. John is the founder of black belt leadership, a results focused coaching and training organization, teaching leadership, communication, sales, and marketing. Um, he is also an executive director and president's advisory council member of the John Maxwell team, a dis-certified human behavior consultant, and a real-life management master coach and trainer. John, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, man. Thank you, Seth, for the opportunity. Looking forward to uh, sharing for a few minutes with your audience. Awesome. So let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get involved in martial arts in the first place? You know, at the age of 13, Seth, my parents moved from Fort Smith, Arkansas to Russellville, Arkansas. And in my mind, I had the opportunity to go from being a big city nobody to a little small town somebody, and I became the target of every bully in school when we enrolled in a new school, and after a couple of weeks of coming home beaten and bloodied and, and humiliated and scared to go back to school, dad do what any good dad would do, and he threw me in martial arts classes. I was the only kid in class. My only saving grace, I thought, when I got there was this beautiful 23-year-old girl that was just about my size, and she was going to be my training partner, but little did I know she'd come out of a really bad relationship where she'd been abused by her former husband, and she was taking this to learn to defend herself, so uh, I literally got, you know, got the snot beat out of me by a girl every time I went to class, so the joke became I was getting beat up at school, and dad was paid for a girl to beat me up three nights a week, and you know, I eventually learned to fight like a girl, and the bully the schooling stopped. So, awesome! I also was originally started my lifelong love affair with the martial arts because of a similar situation. So, let's talk about how has um tell tell us about the martial arts Hall of Fame two times. I mean, once alone is incredible. Two times. Let's talk about that. Sure, absolutely. You know, after I went through what I went through, I fell in love with the martial arts, Seth, as you know, from, from doing that yourself, and it just became a part of who I was. Uh, I also spent some time working as a campus pastor uh, at Arkansas Tech University for a few years, and while I was there, we had a series of, of rape incidents that happened on our campus and some other campuses around Arkansas as well, and it impacted some of the girls that were involved in our youth group, and, and one girl in particular that it impacted, it so impacted her life in such a negative way, she ended up taking her own life. Oh my God. And, and as a result of that, 
I, I began to say, you know, what can we do to speak out against these issues and really to raise awareness, not only for girls in your junior high, high school, college age, but also young children that are the prey of predators. And so I began to learn to really immerse myself into that subject and, and learn how to become an expert in speaking to those issues and was inducted into my first Hall of Fame, the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame in 2008 for about 10 years of being an advocate for speaking on predator awareness, predator issues in schools and universities, teaching rape and assault prevention classes, teaching children predatory awareness skills. And uh, that was my first induction in 2008, uh, continued on that path and then the Masters Hall of Fame in 2016 also recognized me for those efforts over about 20 plus years. Awesome. That is absolutely incredible. Thank you for the amazing work that you have done and are continuing to do. Uh, what inspired you to start writing? You know, I've been writing since I was a, a young child. I was, I was fascinated with Star Trek growing up. And I always envisioned myself as being the next Captain Kirk as a little kid. And so I began to write science fiction stories, and I started writing plays. And we actually, uh, in the elementary school I grew up, had some teachers that were very encouraging. And I began to write plays that I got a group together, and we kind of formed our own little tribe or our neat little uh, you know, club of, of folks that love to do acting. And so I would write detective plays. I would write science fiction plays. And we would actually act those out on stage in the elementary school. That led into junior high and high school, continued to write, and uh, just had been passionate about writing. And I've, I realized early on there were only so many people I could touch face-to-face. -to -face. But if I could put my thoughts and what I wanted to share with others in a book, I could reach people around the world that I might never have an opportunity to come face-to-face -face with. Absolutely. Tell, uh, obviously, we'll talk about Black Belt Leadership 101, book number four, in just a minute. What were books one, two, and three? You know, the first two books I wrote were actually books that were written for a, uh, a, a Bible college, uh, interestingly enough. I had a pastor friend that was a, an economics professor for Christian Life School of Theology, and uh, they were teaching courses for ministers, and they had nothing in the area of finance. Now, I come from a financial background. I've been involved in the financial services industry for well over 30 years, and there was no content from a biblical-based perspective to teach pastors and church leaders how to teach basic budgeting, how to teach money management, how to teach how to buy groceries, and just the essentials of managing money and managing life. So the first two books I wrote were actually textbooks for Christian Life School of Theology that later became Beacon University. Uh, the third book I wrote uh, was a book on faith-based martial arts. Uh, there are a number of instructors across the country that love martial arts but have wanted to try to figure out how do I take my faith that I believe in and actively incorporate that into what I do. And I was actively doing that with three different schools that I owned and operated. And so I kind of wrote a how-to of my own personal journey from becoming a, you know, the kid bullied at school and the story I told earlier into transitioning into becoming a school instructor and then a multi-location school owner. But for those that teach in a church or a synagogue or, you know, some place of worship that want to incorporate the principles of what they believe, then I wrote a book on that called Christian Martial Arts, The Passion, The Calling, The Journey, also available on Amazon. And we've had a number of school owners that have used that kind of as a textbook to help them launch their own faith-based martial arts programs. I love that. That is beautiful. You're combining, obviously, uh, the religious and spiritual aspects with the martial arts, which historically don't teach some of that until you get to the much higher levels, which you know. Uh, what, what prompted Black Belt Leadership 101? You know, Black Belt Leadership 101 came out of just some personal introspection. And, you know, one of the things that I found in working and teaching leadership over the years is that many people are afraid to lead. 
Uh, everybody always says there's an ABC to everything. Well, I believe there's a DEF that follows the ABC. And one of the things that really prompted me was the fact that most people don't believe that they have what it takes to lead. Well, anybody can lead, and everybody's leading somebody somewhere right now. The big question is, how well are you leading them? And so I teach people to first you know, begin to you know, defeat the disbelief that's in them, that there is a leader within them, and that they can grow themselves, and they can learn to lead themselves and, and make wide choices. Uh, secondly, the E for me is to learn to embrace a lifestyle of learning. Uh, and one of the things that you and I both know from the martial arts is you never learn it all. And you start as a white belt, you get to black belt, you think that's the end of the journey. But in traditional martial arts, the black belt was given to a student that had actually demonstrated enough discipline and enough seriousness about their studies that they could now be taught the deeper aspects of the arts. And so the black belt wasn't a sign that you were an instructor. It was a sign that you had dedicated yourself to a lifetime of learning. And so for me, that became on my own leadership journey, the fact that I want to continue to grow and, and evolve and become a better version of myself. So to do that, I had to embrace a lifestyle of learning. And then for me, the F of, of really why I wrote the book was the fact that you've got to follow through and not quit. And so many people start down a path and they get to a certain level and then they quit. You know, we see it in the financial services industry all the time. People will go out and they'll study, they'll get their license, and they think they know it all. But when they quit learning, they quit growing. You know, Ray Kroc said it best when he says, as long as you're green, you're growing. But when you're ripe, you start to rot. Well, nobody wants to work with somebody that's rotten, but we get around rotten people every day. We get around rotten leaders every day who have failed to learn to grow themselves and learn to lead. So I wanted to take what I learned over now 30-plus years in the martial arts and the leadership lessons I learned there and to teach people the 10 essential qualities, what it means to be a black belt leader in life. Okay, so there was a whole lot there that we could probably spend a long time unpacking. Let's start at the beginning. You talked about the disbeliefs we have in ourselves. How do we uncover our own limiting beliefs? Because you can't get rid of them if you don't know they're there. You're absolutely right. And, and one of the things that, that most people do is they simply accept what life gives them. And they believe that whatever comes their way is just destined to come their way, and there's nothing they can do to fix it. One of the things I teach in Black Belt Leadership is the fact that the attitude that you have going into any situation in life is going to impact the outcome. And if you don't believe that there are lessons to be learned from every problem that you're going to face in life, you're going to face those same problems over and over again. And one of the ways we learn to get rid of the disbelief is by looking for the lessons that life is trying to teach us and use those lessons so that we can grow, we can get better, we can become more resilient. And when we do that, we realize we're capable of doing things we never thought we were capable of doing. And that's one of the ways that we can learn to overcome those disbeliefs. Now, how, you have a long list of credentials. Um, talk a little bit about your involvement with the John Maxwell team, because I'm imagining that plays into your faith-based leadership. You know, I, I got involved with John's organization about four years ago in 2017. I've known John for years through his writings and had an opportunity to become uh, credentialed as a speaker, trainer, and coach in their organization. And it's a tool in the toolbox that I use. Uh, John is, you know, by all accounts, probably one of the top, if not the most well-respected leadership trainer and coach in the world. 
And just having an opportunity to spend time in his presence and having an opportunity just to be mentored by John and learn what he's learned over the years really gives me an opportunity to see my own potential is growing and to see what John has learned. And it allows you to kind of take that shortcut in the fact that if you can learn what other people have learned, I don't have to make the same mistake they've made because they can teach me the lessons they learned along the way. And John is so so open in his willingness to share. Uh, it's just been a very powerful tool. And, you know, I love the fact that he says, you know, everybody is a leader. You know, he says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. But I think my favorite line that he says is if you think you're leading and nobody's following, you're only taking a walk. So I think it's important, you know, that we've got to look back. And if we think we're leading and nobody's following us, we're, we're really only fooling ourselves, Seth. And I think that's one of my major takeaways is to really stop and from time to time do some reflective thinking of how well am I leading myself? Because if I'm not leading myself well, I can't lead others well. Absolutely. Now, I know you've also got a passion for travel. I mean, you've been to the Caribbean, to Guatemala, to Zambia, to Cameroon. You've taught leadership conferences and trained hundreds of business professionals literally all over the world. Talk a little bit about some of the interesting things you've seen and lessons you've learned from going other places. You know, just really, I guess if I think back to the most recent one was Cameroon. And having an opportunity to travel to Africa, it's a country I love and look forward to any opportunity to go back to Africa. But my first trip to Cameroon, I saw a people that had such amazing potential. Little kids out there on the street selling as cars are driving by just to feed their family. The entrepreneurial spirit that is there that is being so suppressed by a very suppressive government uh, that is corrupt uh, really limits the potential of these people to become all that they can be. And just the opportunity to sit and to speak into the lives of, of businessmen and women and let them believe in themselves, begin to see that they can make a change in their country, that they can have an opportunity to see success and to take those skills that they're learning how to do from selling as street vendors on the street to open their own businesses, to begin to interact and work together, and to see that they can prosper even in a very restrictive environment is just such an amazing transformational process that takes place in their lives that for the first time for many of them, they believe, begin to believe, I can do this. I can make a difference. I can become something other than what my family has been for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they now begin to believe that they can transform their country and make it even better. That is a beautiful thing. You've achieved so much success over such a long career. What's your biggest challenge now? You know, the biggest challenge right now has been uh, the fact that we can't travel. It's been very difficult to travel because of this coronavirus issue. And a lot of the places that I work with are overseas. And where technology doesn't work that well, sometimes it's difficult, just like we're doing now with the Zoom call. Uh, sometimes that technology works in Africa. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, in a lot of places that we work with, they don't have good internet. Uh, they don't have good utilities. And so just the ability right now to get where I want to go and to do what I would like to do personally uh, is limiting. But there's, there's just one of me. So my passion right now is being able to teach other people to do what I do. People that have a similar passion, I want to replicate my efforts so that there's not just one of me trying to do it all. There are other people that have a passion I want to empower to go make a change wherever 
they would need to make a change or want to make a change, whether that's in their backyard, it's down the road, it's in another city, it's in another state or another country. I want to empower people to go make a difference. Absolutely. Now, one of the ways you've done that is through your long career in the financial services industry. Talk a little bit about what you're doing in that industry to help bring about positive change now. You know, one of the areas that I've spent the last 30 years in is, is doing sales training and coaching in the financial services industry. And, and it's an area that, for the most part, many advisors have struggled financially because they have failed to reinvent themselves. And as technology has changed and the world around us has changed, many financial advisors want to stay in this old mindset of doing things the way they've always done. And you and I both know if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. And so helping to awaken the financial services community to the opportunities that are out there, to see the need that is there to impact people that are really hurting right now is there. So we're doing a lot right now in teaching them how to use technology, teaching them about landing. It's surprising. Many of them don't know what landing pages are. They don't know what sales funnels are. They don't understand things that for those of us that work in the sales and marketing world are commonplace. And they're missing an opportunity to connect with people that they can have an amazing chance to work with and to help them see an amazing result, but they don't want to go to where the people are. Understood. How are you teaching the principles of black belt leadership to the financial services industry? How can financial advisors be better leaders for their clients? You know, they've got to learn to lead themselves. And, and it's amazing the number of financial guys that I talk to that haven't done for themselves what they're telling their own clients to do. They don't own life insurance. They don't own annuities. They don't own long-term care. They don't do investments in the market. And the things that they're telling their clients to do, they're not doing for themselves. And, and that comes across as disingenuous. Uh, you know, when you get into studying psych psychometrics and human and consumer behavior, those little subtle things come through in a presentation. And when a client looks you in the eye and says, Seth, do you own the product that you're wanting to sell me? And you can't say yes with a straight face. You've lost that opportunity to be credible. And one of the neat things about black belt leadership is the fact that black belt leaders are people of integrity. They're people of character. They're people that their word and their actions congeal. They're congruent. They work together. And one of the big challenges that I'm issuing to the, 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 not only the, the faith-based community, but to the financial services community is to make sure that you're saying and you're doing are congruent and to really live out before others what you're practicing because people see what you do. And people may not listen to what you say, but they see what you do. And leaders act and they follow that lead. And if they follow that lead, they're going to see results. John, your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you do? You know, what I like best about what I do is what I'm doing right now is to talk to people and try to encourage people to become a better version of themselves. You know, at the end of the day, we've got to look ourselves in the mirror as we're getting ready for bed and say, did I become better today? Did I learn something today that made me better? What did I do to help somebody else achieve success that they otherwise wouldn't have achieved? And if we can learn to live our lives that way, all of us can enjoy a much more amazing and satisfying life. And we go beyond just pursuing success, which is for the moment, to pursuing a life of significance, which is a lifestyle of adding value to others and helping people grow and achieve potential that they don't may necessarily believe that they can do on their own. Absolutely. For our folks who are watching and listening and are interested in learning more about Black Belt Leadership 101 and all things John Terry, where are the best places for us to send them? You know, the, the best places for them to go, they can go to my website, beablackbeltleader.com. They can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. It's real easy. It's John Terry, the Black Belt Leader. 
and you can find me there on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, I've got a weekly leadership blog that we post that shares my insights into what's going on in the areas of leadership, and uh, that's a free resource that's available. And I've uh, got a lot of free content and then additional content that they can have access to that uh, they can buy different services that we have to offer. Awesome. And then what else do you want to share that we didn't think to ask you? You know, one of the things we're doing, Seth, in conjunction with the book, and, and the, the exciting thing I did about as I was putting this book, Black Belt Leadership, together was I wanted to create not just a book that people could read, but a book that people could put into action. And so in that book, I've created a workbook in the back of it so that as they're going through these 10 chapters, learning to be a black belt leader in life, there's application that they can use. And we are launching in September a new digital masterclass uh, that's going to be available. You can access that through BeABlackBeltLeader.com where I take people on a journey through the book teaching the concepts and principles of black belt leadership. Uh, there are 10 modules in there. Each module has five videos. Uh, there's over 50 audio downloads, a variety of different PDFs that they can work through as well. And so that's going to be another way for people that want to go through that journey with me and not just read the book passively, but to be an active participant. It's a new resource we're bringing to bear in September. Awesome. Well, thank you for the book. Thank you for the class. Thank you for the leadership that you exemplify and that you're teaching. This has been Seth Green from Sharkpreneur with uh, John Terry from BeABlackBeltLeader.com and Black Belt Leadership 101. John, thanks so much for joining us. Seth, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.